Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we give you the off-season primer edition of the Heater Podcast, we will go and give you the our the, the top free agents, our predictions of where we think they'll sign, your, your bargain free agent uh, prediction, as well as we will have our uh, GM Peeper giving us his uh, off-season plans for the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, everything that's beginning to unfold in the off-season. It, it took the beginning of last week, merely hours after our last podcast, that uh, some of the things we talked about here and uh, uh, trade wins and uh, speculation for things that could be coming, uh, all the, the the big hitters from the media markets, we're talking about it within 24 hours of that podcast, uh, saying a lot of the same things. So uh, legitimizing uh, the talk that's out there. Uh, there seems to be a much more clear picture of who the sellers are going to be. Uh, and now free agency, some things uh, shaking out already or reading the tea leaves of what's uh, potentially coming. So we'll dive into all of that here in uh, just a couple minutes. Uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't first say that the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice and Christmas movies, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it is next week, you know, two weekends uh, December, from now, correct? No, it's even longer than that. December oh, yeah, 10th, because so, we got to be so Thanksgiving off. here. So yeah. December 10th and 11th, uh, out of my house at December 10th and 11th, we've... Popcorn Palooza! Yeah, my, my dad stole that from you. Good job. Uh, we are taking orders online right now through Facebook, or you can text one of us if you have our number. I'm not giving that out on this podcast, but uh, if... Follow River Creek Popcorn on Facebook if you're interested. Uh, we have shipped for this one in the past. So if you're a ways away and you'd like some regular popcorn or kettle corn, caramel corn, or cheese corn, uh, as long as the order is over $20, we're willing to ship it for this one. So even if you're not in the area, hit us up. And yeah, it should be the, the orders are rolling in. We got some people coming to help out, and we could use it because we're still COVID safe. Uh, I know it's not as big of a deal as it was last year, but we don't want a whole bunch of people. It's not only COVID. It's just, it's very challenging for us when people congregate around our house. So uh, we got to get you, we're not, the madness. we're not trying to be rude, but we kind of got to get you in and out so that people don't pile up in our driveway and we have accidents. So we will still just come in, beep the horn and we'll come ask you for your name or number and we'll bring you your order to your car. So yeah, it's pretty easy. So hit us up as the, uh, Winter season leads us more uh, inside into uh, favorite movies this time of year. It's great to have that uh, snack of choice along with it, as well as uh, good Christmas. You're going gifts. to Ghostbusters. I am. I'm. Ex- I've been waiting a long time I know for you this have. movie. <laughs> I've been talking about this movie for a you long time. Uh, so it is finally here this next weekend. I, got to I see will James be James Bond finally. Yeah. So that was the one I was we, waiting we, for. We both I... had our, our big hits yep. that were uh, were coming up. Thanks to John Wick. John Wick 4, that's, that's the, the big that's one That's the here. next one, that's, yeah. That's a ways yet, but Matrix is coming out later this year, so yeah. It's finally happening. We finally reached like this past time in the movie market for COVID, so good for them. I was beginning to worry it was never going to happen. It's nice. The uh, nostalgia of the uh, movie of, of the past connecting together, 
Uh, looks like there's actually a good plot uh, to it. If you liked the original, it ties to the original. Uh, great cast, uh, everything together. So I'm excited for the Ghostbusters Afterlife. There's an easy plug for uh, for that one. Uh, but uh, any more than that, and then you got to be uh, on the podcast to get more of uh, right. more uh, propped up. So uh, with that, Popcorn Palooza coming up here in the next few weeks. December 10th and 11th, come hit us up. Well, there's a few GMs that would love to have a Palooza as far as the offseason goes and uh, trades and free agents and all those good things. Uh, uh, I suppose I should tease that just a little bit longer because why don't we hit up some news and notes first? Let's talk about the one... I think it's the only real we have a signing that, that actually yeah. has happened. And this one I actually don't mind. So you may remember when Andrew Heaney got traded at the trade deadline to the Yankees. We both kind of sat here and ripped the deal because he's a home run. Homer prone. Yeah, home run, home run prone pitcher going to Yankee Stadium. But he hurried up and took a one-year deal. And he went back out west to Los Angeles to the Dodgers this time. One year, $8 million, And that one I don't mind. Like... It's he had a 583 or a and a 132 whips. So that's not good, but 150 strikeouts to 41 walks. Like he can strike guys out. It's just that he's very flyball prone now. Advanced stats love him yeah. uh, for saying that he uh, uh, performed better than what his uh, ERA uh, uh, stated. And we know the Dodgers. Uh, some were, were uh, stat darlings uh, were in favor of him as a perfect one year deal. It's- under the radar. It's very similar to the Robbie Ray thing, right? That's about exactly yep. the contract he got last year, and they got this. The, the Blue Jays figured him out, and he's going to get paid big this offseason. I don't know if – I don't think Andrew Heaney will have that type of year, but the Dodgers are very good at developing pitching. They have some – Walker Bueller they developed and Julio Urias. And even if you can get Andrew Heaney down to a 4 ERA, right, yep. on that team, that's Absolutely. your fifth starter. Like, with, with that offense? You take that, yeah. I think it's a great signing. Some rumors, Anthony DiSclefani to the Tigers seems to be heating up. We The Tigers are getting thrown around with a lot of these people that we're going to mention, but – that makes sense. They are still hoping to get Spencer Turnbull back. From remember, he had Tommy John in the middle of the season, but they want one veteran uh, with all their young guys. Yep, uh, there and same thing with the hitter. They're looking for guys to now teach the right way, the right pedigree, uh, and not just a veteran in name, but you know, solid production to go with it. Uh, so there's a, a lot of speculation with with Detroit as they reach the the, the next phase of, of their rebuild process. We talked about this rebuild a bit last week. And that we wanted to know what were the A's going to do? Are they are they ready to tear it down? Are they ready to? Are we going to try and build off of it? And it was I think it was just the next day that John Heyman came out and said they're willing to listen to trade offers for Frankie Montas. We didn't even mention like Chris Bassett, Sean Mania, some of the pitching, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. They're it sounds like they are to the point where they're saying, look, we know that we're probably past our real window here, and. We're ready to tear this down, and there should be some pretty good markets for some of those guys. Matt Olson had a great year, and I think he's under contract for th- two more years. Two more seasons. Yep. Yeah, there should be plenty of interest in him, and that should be a good return if they're able to move him. So there's two teams, and, and we can address that here, uh, that we mentioned were going to be on the on the sellers. Uh, we already saw the the move last week was uh, giving away a pitcher for nothing uh, with the Reds to the Cubs, uh, and. Uh, his name is escaping me. I can't believe it. Wade uh, Miley. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and that was already the warning sign uh, that more was on the way. And so we recommended, you know, Luis Castillo, the ace of that staff, Cy Young uh, level talent. This is the time to move him to get Max uh, returned. They have some young pitching uh, and the, essentially the next phase, the next younger group coming in. Uh, so it, it would make sense to do something like that the next day on Monday. It was either 
If it wasn't Heyman, it was... Uh, one, it was Morosi in this case. You. John Morosi. Yep. Uh, so saying that uh, they were going to be active in listening versus more casual, like you want to say casual listening, whatever you want to call it, more serious and, and trying to determine if there's a return that they will take and move forward with. Uh, very specific in what they're looking for. It sure seems like a young shortstop uh, is the, the highest point of that or something that's close to majors, someone that they can be able to have uh, up on the team, if not at the start, then by the middle of the year. They need to be able to sell some tickets, right? Like, yep. and You have to sell yeah. on that rebuild fast. Yeah. Like there needs to be yeah. some sort of a, uh, here's the prize prospect that we're already getting a chance to see. And then you add Oakland to that. That was the other one that is the warning sign was when they let their manager go mm-hmm. uh, for, for no return. Uh, uh, that was kind of the curious move. Like, are we looking at a new... Uh, the rebuild was talked about as a possibility because they're kind of coming to that crossroads. You either have to uh, double down on what you have and add to it because it's not enough right now, or you need to tear it down and, and do what Oakland has done uh, very well over the years, but we're at that point. Uh, and that's uh, uh, being ultra-aggressive. Both are uh, definitely uh, payroll-motivated. Uh, that's yes. a, a big part of that. Uh uh, and uh, Cincinnati's GM has come out and uh, said that specifically. Uh, and then Oakland has also said we have to. Uh, this is the reality of our situation. So both are acknowledging uh, that side of it. So this isn't just talk. This is going to happen. Someone is getting uh, an MVP level first baseman, uh, some above average starting pitching uh, that Oakland offers, Cy Young level uh, with Cincinnati or above average there if it's Sunny Gray. Like there's uh, pieces that can be moved that are going to be big pieces of someone's off-season plans. Uh, so if you're looking at uh, uh, from uh, either hitting or pitching, Oakland and Cincinnati are going to be the places for the trade market. Uh, the Marlins, if you're looking for pitching, they're motivated to find hitting. If uh, You can match it up with that. They have some young uh, uh, pitching that they're looking at. So those are the three teams that are really going to dictate the trade market. I want to mention one more name for the trade market. Yeah. He's apparently drawn a lot, according to Morosi, and that's Brian Reynolds. Now we know the Pirates are horrendous when it comes to getting good returns on their players, but Brian Reynolds is, was great, right? 302, 24 home runs, 90 RBIs last year. That is an incredible year, and he is under team control again through 2025. I I can think of a lot of teams that would have interest in a player like Brian Reynolds. I just don't trust I don't trust Pittsburgh to get a, the right return for him because we've seen them struggle to get returns for their great players. I just don't see him actually being moved yet. Uh, yeah. I, I know he all the talk is there, and he's the a huge piece, he would get He would get a massive return. Yeah. I just don't know if they're going to be motivated enough to trade him yet because I believe you can get that same return in another year. And at some point, you have to have something on the major league club uh, to uh, to work with. But would it be surprising if they traded him? Absolutely not. Let's do an injury. Too. Should we talk, we yeah. haven't talked an off-season injury. So Alex Bregman on Monday underwent surgery on his right wrist, which they said six to ten weeks he can resume baseball activities. So... I guess the surprising thing here is, so obviously he was hurt, right? He was hurt in the postseason, but Dusty just kept batting him third, uh, you know, and he struggled all postseason. Now, do I think, I I hope he's fine. I expect him to be better in spring training and good to go, but it doesn't look great when the team that just got done winning the world or losing the World Series with their main hitter that was clearly injured just kept getting ran out there. So I hope Alex Bregman's okay, but it is sad to see that I said that they just kept running him out there every day wouldn't they clearly knew he was hurt and hope for better yeah that's the for uh unfortunate situation 
uh, unfortunate recognition of, of what's there. Maybe they already had the uh, able to determine by doctors they couldn't do any more damage being out there, mm-hmm. and so you're just trying uh, to rely on uh, uh, the experience and luck into one. Uh, but it uh, it makes more sense now, a more clear picture of why he struggled in the postseason. Yes, it does. Let's talk the – We can. this can lead right into me talking about the Brewers because the Brewers made a trade this week with your team. Yep. And the Brewers traded a single-A pitcher. I don't remember. Evan Ryder, I think his name is, who had Correct. a very high – he had extremely high strikeout numbers and extremely high walk numbers, I saw. So a little – it needs a little control, it looked like, for Mike – is it Brousseau or Brousseau? I don't remember how to know how to say it. Uh, Mike Brousseau. Brousseau. Okay. So Mike Brousseau, you may remember Brousseau was the guy who Chapman threw behind in the World Series and almost took his head off. And then, oh, sorry, in the ALCS. I don't want to say World Series. The ALCS. And then he hit the big home run a couple of years ago. So yeah, he was the the Tampa Bay Rays. You can pinpoint through three top uh, home runs of, of all time. Uh, and uh, uh, that's pretty. That's universal. That's more of a slam dunk. So that's a widely accepted for anyone who's a Tampa Bay Rays fan within that. But you have uh, the baseball call it the greatest night in MLB history. That was when the 2012, uh, when both wild cards in uh, in both leagues went down to the final game of the regular season. Two division uh, uh, divisions went down to the final game of the regular season, and within minutes of each other, the endings of this were all happening. Uh, Rays went down by, what, eight eight runs to the Yankees on that one. Evan Longoria hits two home runs, including one in the 12th, to uh, uh, propel the Rays into the playoffs with that one. Dan Johnson, back in 2008, when they were one strikeout away from being eliminated, uh, hits the uh, game-tying shot uh, and uh, part of what would send them to their first World Series. And then Mike Brousseau, after the uh, almost the, uh, decapitation with uh, the dust-up with uh, Aroldis Chapman at the end of the regular season, Gets poetic justice uh, in the ALCS to uh, finish off the Yankees against Chapman and sending the Rays to the uh, to the uh, uh, World Series. Yeah, was so that was uh, that was uh, an incredible home run. Now, as far as uh, from instead of a trip down memory lane for me, what does this mean for Milwaukee Brewers fans? Uh, the Rays had uh, a glut of middle infielders uh, that uh, could hit and. Do defense pretty well. Uh, Wander Franco, in case you have ever heard of him, uh, was one of those guys. And so Mike Brousseau lost out on uh, just opportunity for for at-bats. Uh, he's a solid platoon bat, especially versus left-handed pitching. That's what he does. Uh, and uh, uh, Brewers are looking for any type of uh, offensive upgrades that they can or being part of the overall piece. He's uh, potentially underrated, not as much as like Willie Adamas was or anything along that line, but he's... Uh, has the potential to be a solid uh, major leaguer on the team. You can see what they're doing here, right? It's the yep. it's the same thing that your team has done for Lyle and the Giants do, where they get these platoon blats and they yep. can play. Brousseau can play second, third, first, outfield. He can play basically anywhere. I would expect him to be. You know, it might mean that I don't know what they're going to do with Jace Peterson or Dan Vogelbach, depending on. We'll talk about the DH sometime, probably next week, I would think, but. You know, I don't know if Mike Brousseau will probably be a DH, but he can certainly be a valuable backup. And you just said, he, he, I think he's got a 270 career average I was looking at against lefties, and it's more like a right around the Mendoza line against righties. But there's value in that. Uh, if you haven't seen the Giants play lately, you probably, or the Rays, like that's the type of players that they use. And so I expect him to be on the major league team. So that's that's the start of their Brewers offseason right there. Those are the underrated around the, uh, around the fringe moves that you need to make and win. Uh, so this way you also, when you make the bigger moves, uh, it all adds up. 
And so this can be a, a small part, but uh, all one of the many pieces of the puzzle uh, to the offseason. And so if we would talk about that offseason as you put on your GM hat, if you were in charge of the Brewers uh, this offseason, what would be your headline move? And I'll give you more time to talk about other things within, but what would be the uh, – it's obvious what some of the needs are. How what's the what's the headline move you're looking at? I think you need to. Artie Tellez performed admirably. Daniel Vogelbach performed admirably, but they've had an offensive need at first base for a while, and we thought Kesting here was going to fill it, and he, he's not at this point. You just you don't have any faith in him. You don't know what Is you're that getting. The point out that of you him. can't count. Yeah, on you him. can't rely on him anymore. So I, it, it would be Kyle Schwarber. Like that would be the, the the move I'd want. Right, you get the lefty in there, high on base. Sign him for two, three years, and if if the DH comes in, maybe he plays DH, and you do keep Rowdy Telez, or you know they platoon or something like that. But I, the biggest move they could make would be to sign Kyle Schwarber, as far as I'm concerned. And it doesn't cost you anything other than money, uh, but he'll, uh, he should be the most sought after uh, DH first base type. If you believe in the first base or left field, wherever uh, wherever you're sticking in that spot again, with the understanding that DH is coming. Uh, like that's that's the big offensive upgrade uh, to be made, uh, and I, I would I would agree with that. It, I'm thinking it's going to be three years, fifty-five. 50, I was going to say fifty-four. I was going to eighteen yeah. a season is what I was thinking of. So yeah, that and, sounds about right. They could afford that right now. We said they're, they're if you're not paying Avisel Garcia, Avisel Garcia is gone. That right, money. Jackie Bradley gets the raise. He took the contract. Lorenzo Kane is still on the contract, and Christian Yelich gets the jump. So. Now, you just mentioned Garcia. They have the three big free agents, right, that are going to leave. Now, they have, essentially, they have internal fill-ins at all key spots if they need to be. Eduardo Escobar was only half the year there. So, I don't know if you consider him a big free agent, but Luis Urias performed really well at third base this year. Like, that's the reason they traded for him. He's still very young. I think I would feel capable of just saying he's your third baseman. In right field, obviously, Al Garcia was great. Uh, best year of his career. There's a reason he opted out. He'll probably get more than he was going to get. And, but... I wouldn't feel comfortable at the level that he's going to get. To pay him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm fine with the Brewers not paying that. I, I think they will trust, at least give Tyrone Taylor a chance at right field. He performed pretty well at different times at last year when they needed him to. So I think they will at least try Tyrone Taylor in right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't bring in some competition for him. I, at this point, you can't rely on Jackie Bradley, right? You can trust the defense, but you can't trust the offense. And then the other spot would be Brett Anderson. It was their five starter. So we would talk about the big three a lot. Eric Lauer was great as a fourth starter. And I, they got the internal Aaron Ashby, I think, will just move into the rotation. I, I think they'll probably baby his innings. They'll probably do some six-man stuff. They still have Josh Lindblom, and they still have some of those types of guys that they could – because they sort of did the six-man rotation at the end of the year anyways. But I mm-hmm. think Aaron Ashby will move from the bullpen to the rotation. So they have internal fill-ins for what you'd consider the three biggest free agents leaving. The question then becomes, okay, so we've heard for years about Josh Hader. I expect he's already set the record for most money made in the first year of arbitration for a relief pitcher. I think he'll probably do it again. He just got done winning his is it second reliever of the year award or third. I don't know. They've, I think they've won three in a row, but Devin Williams and Hader have won four. It four was, in a uh, row. With Hader now as three, and, and uh, Williams was uh, had one in there. So four in a row for yeah. a Brewer's relief. So you know, he's going to get paid again in arbitration. Now, he's not a free agent until 24, but – how long do you keep him? Like, cause at this point, the, is the value ever going to get higher? Th- that's been the question for a couple of years with him. What are you going to get out of him? C- can you turn him into the, we, there will be a market for him, right? If they want to trade him and say, we're going to keep Devin Williams 
And Josh Hader, you're out there. Can you get? Can you get? I thought last year before the White Sox signed Liam Hendricks that we could trade Josh Hader to the White Sox because they wanted a big time relief pitcher and we could get Andrew Vaughn back. I, I thought that was possible, baseman, right? Yeah. That would have been the first Absolutely. baseman. I, I don't. I haven't looked at the Dodgers lately. I, we know the Dodgers want a big time relief pitcher. I don't know what they have in their minor leagues. I'm sure it's stacked in pitching because that's what it always is. But all good, man. Okay, so that that would be my question: is what is Josh Hader going to get? Because if you're going to move him at some point soon, this is when he's at his peak value. And relief pitchers, they're valuable to like. Pitchers that are as good as him are valuable, but as we've seen with your team, right? Like you can find them and, and you can capitalize on what their strengths are. That's kind of what your team has done for the last ten years or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a hard question to ask. He's a it's a luxury piece, and you can and the question becomes, uh, is that most valuable to a championship team, or is the return and, and filling other spots uh, better? Uh, and you can make a case for both. Right now, the the Brewers are at a spot. A year ago, uh, or so, I might have said otherwise. I'm more inclined to keep them. Uh, as far as those are the types of arms that you need, uh, went deep in the playoffs. Uh, and uh, him and and Williams, if Williams has his head on right, uh, that's a, a, a lethal combination. Uh, and especially with with good starting pitching within it, but you can make a case for both. I That's would say sure. at this point, though, if, if if you're ranking at least the two that we think are most likely most likely to move at the offseason here, I would say Craig mm-hmm. Kimbrell is more likely to get traded than Josh Hader. I would agree. I, I would agree with that. So I don't know what they'll do. That's a question that they're going to have to decide. What What is the market on Josh Hader? Are we keeping him? Are we going to keep rolling with him? Are we going to try to get an extension signed to him? Because that's the other thing. Like I'm not going to talk too much about extensions, but a lot of their pitchers are up in about two years. I think they just got Peralta signed, but Woodruff comes up in two years, Burns comes up in two years, and I think Hader comes up in two years. So, at some point, you got to start thinking about how are we going to are we going to sign these guys or what what are we doing? Because, and that it, goes even more down to the 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 core of this. Is this a like we, here's our window and we need to win? If that's the case, then you keep Hader. If if you're able to extend the window with some of these guys, like that, that's a lot of the internal communication and uh, payroll structure that they're going to have to determine on 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 next steps. So I mentioned Schwarber as an offensive upgrade at first. I I think when I look through the team, the, the spot that you upgrade is first, right? At yep. Narvaez, you're keeping a catcher. I don't think they're changing that. Colton Wong, they already signed a second. Yep. Willie Adamas, they made the move for short. Uh, third, I said, I think they're just going to go with Urias. And then if you go to the outfield, you're – you got to play Yelich, right? You're paying him too much. You just got to hope you get something out of him. Even if he's back to Marlins, Yelich, where he's 20 homers, 280, you're, at this point you're happy with that because his back terrifies me at this point. I, I'm not sure that his back isn't bad. Center field, you're, gonna play, you're paying Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley so much money now that they're going to play. And I think they're either – Tyrone Taylor, and then they might sign some fringy guy in right field. But I think the upgrades first. I mentioned Schwarber. Other possibilities would be Rizzo, right? Rizzo is a free agent. His his numbers have slipped the last couple of years. He's still pretty young. The pedigree's there. You could take a chance on Anthony Rizzo. And if you're going like bargain hunting and seeing what you get, like Yoshi Satsugo was really good for the Pirates. After he moved over, Yoshi Satsugo looked – he went from the Dodgers to the Pirates, and he started to look like the hitter that was signed out of Japan. Get him out of the, the pressure environment and just a chance to play every day. Uh, and that really did wonders for him, and so happy to, to see that. It sounds like from Japanese media that uh, he is close to re-signing uh, with the Pirates. That could be any day now in that regard, but if, if he would be available, uh, there's there's value there. Mm-hmm. So I, 
after that, though, I, I don't see them making a lot of big moves. I, I just don't think... It's like one move, and that first base slash DH, and that that's the, the target area. I know there's been some talk about if, obviously, El Garcia leaves, do you put... You, Nick Castellanos apparently has been a name that's been mentioned in Milwaukee circles for a while. Like, we've heard... I would love them to sign Nick Castellanos. I don't think... Like, I think he wants probably closer to four, five years of... 80 million, 100 yeah, million. 20 mil a season. And yep. I just don't know if you can take the Christian Yelich contract plus that in the small market, plus you know you have to pay those pitchers someday, or at least try to pay those pitchers someday. It, it's asking a lot. I, I would much rather see them sign Kyle Schwarber for a shorter term, see if we what we can get out of him than Nick Castellanos. You're, you're going to clear salary soon with Bradley and Kane. I mean, that that's true, but there's a lot that you're going to have to be putting on the books if you want to resign the, the the high quality talent that you already have, yeah. So you know, Nick Castellanos would be great. I'm not if the signs. I'm not going to be upset about it. But eventually, you have to start thinking about the future here. And yeah, maybe your window is only two years. And if that's the case, yeah, maybe you do go out and try and win in the next two years. But otherwise, you don't want to. That Christian Yelich contract look is looking real tough right now, right? I think he's under contract now for another eight, ten years. And if he's when they signed it, it looked like a deal and a half because this yep. guy was coming off of an MVP and he was tracking towards another MVP. And two years later, it's been right around the Mendoza line ever since that. And you just, you got to wonder, that's the biggest name. Like I didn't really talk about, you need to get him fixed. And we mentioned Keston, you in passing two, two years ago. He was going to be a foundational piece for this team. And here we are like DH should have been his role, right? If you told me the DH was coming, it should have been okay. Keston here can't play second, right? So DH is where he should be because he's a solid line drive hitter. He hits the ball hard, and he's going to be a great DH someday. But now here we are two years later, and it's an afterthought. What, what are you getting out of him? So they had just hired a new hitting coach. I don't remember his name. They fired the hitting coach this offseason, and they hired a new one. Actually, I think they hired, like, dual hitting coaches, I think they called them. Yep, Ozzie Timmons from the Rays, actually, is one of the guys yeah. up there for the uh, assistant hitting coach. So they, they hired somebody new. You know, Maybe you fix him. We saw him struggle. It was the high fastball, right? He just cannot lay off of it, and he swings under it, and it was, it was brutal to watch. But if you get something out of a guy like that, like, at this point, it's it's earned money because you're not banking on it. But could he be great? Like, we saw the pedigree. We saw the talent three years ago, right, 28. 19, 18, I don't remember. But we've seen that. If they get that back, that helps too. It, this will be an interesting offseason because ultimately this is the last of the hope. Uh, if uh, if Yelich comes back, all is good. If, if Fira comes back, all is good. If it doesn't happen this year, you're, you're not going to be able to count on it moving forward. So this is a pivotal uh, year. Uh, pivotal offseason for both of those players. It would not surprise me in the least if here is part of a change of scenery trade. Uh, I don't know what you'd you'd get for something like that. Uh, uh, for someone who's broken and needs to be rebuilt somewhere. Uh, and the question is, do they feel confident that they can still do that? Where uh, the pressure's been the most, where you've been right here? Or does it need to, or are they determined that the only way he'll ever have that shot is if he goes somewhere else? Another part of the offseason question. So, uh, yeah, one big bat uh, sounds like the best uh, type of offseason for uh, uh, the, the Brewers. And you have one shot to, to get a guy like that, whether it's uh, uh, Kyle Schwerber. Uh, if the if they miss out on someone at the beginning uh, and it gives time for the new CBA to be figured out and if the DH is fully there, uh, if he doesn't sign right away, Nelson Cruz is still a potential one-year deal uh, as like a secondary option 
Uh, but uh, Schwerber makes the most sense, uh, the best fit. And if money's no object, yeah, Castellanos would be there. We'll talk about another outfielder later on that I think would be interesting. We'll see what his market ends up being, but especially if there's a DH that I kind of like for yeah. some team. Here's here's a, a trade that I floated by another uh, uh, Brewers fan that I'll, I'll float your way to. Uh, the Rays and Brewers have already gotten together on a couple of trades now. Like uh, as, as you get like with uh, front office uh, uh, alignment there, so that uh, makes sense. Uh, they b- uh, both understand what each other's looking for. What about an Andy Ashby for Austin Meadows type trade? It's possible, right? It'd fill you the right field need for the Brewers and you know get Ashby down in the race system. They'd probably turn him into like a four inning or like starter or relief pitcher guy and really could throw hard. Like fit wise, it makes sense. I I would not expect it to happen. I know the Brewers have really valued Aaron Ashby and and the fact that they have also shown the ability to develop these young starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And I think that they think that Aaron Ashby can be a left-handed version of Corbin Burns with his tailing fastball. So A.B. gets it done. And uh, you can see a trade, but you can also see he is eventually a replacement for one of the two guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what you're hoping to groom him to be, at least uh, enjoy him when you can have all of them together. Uh, but also if he can be the uh, potential replacement you're looking for that. Any small market team has to always have replacements in mind. Uh, that's just the way that everything works uh, within it. So we'll see what happens with the uh, with, uh, Brewers offseason uh, and see which uh, which offensive player they, they end up with as, as part of that. Let's talk catchers. Let's do can, that. Can we go position by position here? Let's do it. Who's your uh, from top and then uh, predictions? Here's my top catcher. Uh, there are none. I don't have a Correct. top catcher. This I, is, I have a blank spot. I have a, there are no big free agent. Last year we talked JT Romuto and James McCann. Either one of them would be the best catcher this year, right? Either one of James, yep. JT Romuto or James McCann, but there's just not a big name catching free agent this year. And they're hard to find, right? It's hard to find catching. Now, value catchers, there are good players here. Now, there's some good backups, good platoon uh, yeah. fits within it. There's yeah. at least some uh, serviceable MLB starters. Martin Maldonado just got done starting in the World Series for the Astros. He's a free agent. Kurt Suzuki's had a nice career. Jan Gomes, like, they are capable MLB players, but you want them to be... Uh, even 80 games. You, you want them to be... 80 game starters. Yep, like, part of a platoon or a backup. Even though I just said Martin Maldonado was a starter for the Astros, his value to the Astros is the fact that he the pitchers the pitchers love him and they don't care if he hits 150 like because they have plenty of offense so a quote good team does not want Martin Maldonado to be their catcher it does not mean that there's not teams obviously teams have catching needs but most of the I was looking through some of the teams like the big name teams and most of them are pretty set at catcher I think the Yankees have come around on Gary Sanchez again where I don't think they're out searching for a new catcher. And so, you know, the Dodgers have their set catcher and the Phillies have obviously a set catcher. So I don't see a whole lot of the big teams searching out a catcher this offseason. The guys that are out there, you're looking like a one year, five million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's pretty much of, of pay, insert name here. One year, five million bucks. I mean, that's pretty much what you're looking at for the, the type of guys that are out there right now. Let's move to first then. So first, the top first baseman, it's Freddie Freeman, right? Now, that being said, it's virtually impossible to imagine him not re-signing with Atlanta for a, a lot of money. I think you're talking probably $30 million a season, five years, 150, maybe six years, 180, somewhere in there. I, I would be shocked if it's not back with Atlanta, though. There's no excuse not to pay him. 
Uh, his value beforehand was already there. Uh, and then also the after winning the World Series, like this makes sense. You already had him as your uh, franchise player, uh, elite talent. Uh, all that was there. And then he won the World Series too. You have uh, playoff money. Uh, you have new, uh, uh, new stadium money. Uh, there's no reason why this doesn't get done. Uh, What makes you curious is what has caused the holdup. This is a deal that should have been done for a while, uh, which is part of the underlying, like the the breeding of everyone thinks, it assumes it's a a lock or should be a lock, but the longer this drags out, the more... They've been trying for a while, right? They've been working at this for a while. Now, if he does leave... Where where is a realistic shot he lands? Let's say he something happens and apparently it's not happening in Atlanta. Where do you actually see him going? It depends on his comfort level. But New York, I would say Boston. I would say Boston. Boston. Is the, is like, the, those are the two, and Boston more than uh, more than New York, uh, as far as w- willingness to pay uh, for that position. I I, you know, I know he would be. You know, he's amazing wherever, right? Like you could mm-hmm. put him any park, he'd be amazing, but. I've seen Freddie Freeman's Fenway. skill set, like yeah. like the way he hits the ball, the the, the skill set he has would play just. I think he could be JD Martinez better, like in Boston, where you're talking. He's already a 300 hitter with 30 home runs. I think he could probably like touch 320 there, even though he's 32 years old for a couple of years. There's another level that he could hit in that type of <laughs> offensive park. Yeah, so I think we signs with Atlanta, but I do too. I just. That should have been done uh, yesterday. Yes, uh, yes. And the more it goes on, the more you wonder if someone comes at him with a nice pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And will will Atlanta match? Uh, and, and that's, because uh, again, I, we, we've already put the numbers at it. There's no surprise to the numbers. So why this hasn't been done yet, uh, why this isn't there, we don't, again, we don't know who. We don't know who's the one, who's the holdup on this. Uh, but again, it's it, the more this goes on, the more it becomes concerning that what should be a lock doesn't end up a lock. I'll still say Atlanta with you, uh, but uh, that will be interesting to watch. So the value first baseman, we've mentioned yeah. both their names when we talked about the Brewers, right? I, it's Kyle Schwarber and it's Anthony Rizzo, I think. Now Schwarber's horrendous at first base defensively. He's been bad defensively wherever he's played. But for now, we saw him play first, so we know he can do it. So I'm going to put him at first. They both got traded, if you remember, like within a day of each other because they're almost the same player, right? They're extremely high on base machines. Now, Schwarber, at this point, I trust his ability to hit for power more than I trust Rizzo. They're still both pretty young, and they both have solid pedigree. Now, I think that you're talking Schwarber is probably like three years 55, and Rizzo is probably more like three years 45. I would agree. 